Welcome to another episode of the Precision Health Pod, where we talk to the people building and experiencing the future of health. Today, we have Alex Iskold, co-founder and managing partner at 2048 Ventures, which is a pre-seed fund and previously the managing director or one of the managing directors of Techstars New York. He's also a multi-time founder, a software engineer, coach and VC in residence at Harvard Business School. He writes a startup tech blog, um, and he founded the 1K Project to help families in Ukraine. He is very passionate about health, both personally and professionally, uh, and has supported many companies in and around the health space from the early stages, including being the first check into routine. Alex, welcome to the show. We're excited to have you. Thank you so much for carrying me. Well, Alex, we've known each other for about six years now, and I haven't actually gotten the chance to ask you a lot of these questions, so I'm really excited to dive in. But for our listeners, uh, can you share a little bit more about um, who you are and, and how you got to where you are today? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm like one of the luckiest people you're going to ever meet. Uh, you know, my family immigrated from Ukraine in 1991. I, I had a chance to study math and computer science here, uh, you know, got into startups pretty early in my career had uh, one uh, that was very successful, one that failed miserably, and then was super lucky, got a job at Techstars running the flagship New York program, did that for five years, invested in everything from diamond rings to de-icing airplanes and personalized vitamins, uh, much more personalized vitamins and de-icing airplanes. And, uh, you know, really, really sort of channeled my passion uh, of being an entrepreneur into into becoming an investor and empowering people to build businesses. And then most recently launched 2048 Ventures and been focused on investing in uh, in Precede. And what's been the biggest change from founder, operator through to investor starting with your time at Techstars? I mean, there are things that I really miss. So, like, I'm not really a VC. I am much more of like a builder and like, I like to hack stuff. I'm an engineer. And so the reason I calculated that I should be an investor is just because I'm just able to make so much more impact in the world. But um, I miss coding a lot. And like, sometimes I have code just for fun. And, you know, I, I miss building. Like I love, love, love building stuff. And so a little bit of an outlet within 2040 adventures we're super nerdy and we're we do like a lot of infrastructure probably more than a lot of other venture firms so we do run like a startup and so that's been uh you know that that's that's sort of like a good outlet but um i i do miss operating and were there any main challenges that kind of stick out as you think about your career journey journey today or as you started uh the the fund yeah i mean I think the, the biggest shift is, is sort of like understanding how you create impact. Um, you know, when I when I partnered with you, I, I'm not running routine, you're doing it, right? And so in a way, my impact is by engaging with you. And so how do I do it? I can, you know, uh, I think investors who just transitioned from operating mistaken and I, I made this mistake thinking that you can just tell founder do xyz and then things are going to happen and like it, that's not at all how it works and so i think the challenge is to truly connect with someone and build trust because once people trust you and they know you're genuine and real that's when you can make a true impact and you've also invested in over 150 startups at this point is that right is that number number still growing so it it's, sounds like it's you still can you can pattern match um, a lot too, even if it's across diverse industries. 
You pattern match, but you know what's interesting and I think wonderful is just like every human is different, every startup is different. And what you know how like genes and people work together, like basically patterns are the genes, but everybody is different. And so the same thing with startups. So as much as you pattern match, you really need to personalize. And that's that's always been my approach. Definitely. And in addition to everything you're doing, you also have a family. You have two daughters. Um, three. And, I got three. three daughters. I, <laughs> apologies. I, I don't know how I missed that. Uh, but yeah, so you have a family. You're doing all of these things. You're investing. You have a blog. You're a VC in residence at, at HBS. How do you keep up with it all? What's your daily routine to make sure you're staying healthy and focused? Yeah. I mean, I am absolutely maniacal robot at everything that I do. Like I am, I, I've written a lot about it. You and I talked a lot about it, but you know, I have, so I, I did it all wrong up until I took the job at Techstars. So I did not have a schedule. I was drinking a lot of high-end Italian wines and uh, I was not exercising. I did not eat well. I certainly uh, you know, didn't meditate, didn't do any breathing stuff. Uh, and so, you know, at some point I kind of said, look, I can't be the best for other people if I don't figure this out. And so today my days are, um, you know, super regimented. What I do every morning is the same. And then I have themed days. So my Mondays is for one thing. My Tuesdays is for another thing. Wednesdays, etc. And my entire calendar is just blocks. And I do not deviate because if I do, I can't. I I can't. Um, so I'm I'm super super structured. In terms of your health uh, routine, I'm sure it's part of that. I'm sure you calendar it. What do you do on a daily basis? From a do you have a morning routine? Do you have an evening routine? Yeah, I do everything in the morning because I, I realized that once I get in it into, into get it, get into the day, that's it. Like I'm one of those people who like, once you start eating or drinking or doing, I can't stop. So for that reason, I have to protect myself from myself by doing it all in the morning. So basically uh, every single morning I get up between like six and six thirty, And the first thing that I do is I drink all my caffeine, which, which basically includes uh, typically I do like four sigmatic mushroom coffee, which has been great. And also I very, uh, most likely I do like a cup of matcha tea and I do it back to back. I know it's a little weird, but like, that's what I do. Uh, or I do like some other tea. I also take my morning supplements and then I, uh, I spend probably 20 minutes or so doing Duolingo. So I've been learning Italian for 665 days. I'm very committed to it. And I do really think that kind of starting the day by doing something for myself and, you know, uh, learning a language is really cool. Then I go on my morning walk, which is typically 30 minutes. And um, that's most typically I don't listen to anything, but I just think this is my kind of thinking and focus time, trying to think either big picture or thinking about a deal we're working on or uh, something related to the firm, but this is my thinking time and it's the same route every single day. Most days I also have to drive my kid to school and then right after that I exercise. And so I do it for probably like an hour and it's a mix between doing a bike or rowing or yoga or weights. And then after that, I spend 10 minutes meditating. So 
that is my like morning regimen and I do not compromise. Then I pop into the shower. I'm trying to learn how to take uh, cold showers. And then after that, I dive into the day and then, you know, it, it kind of like really go back to back to back to back. Um, but I, I don't deviate from my morning routine, even if I'm traveling, no matter what, I just stick with it. How did you approach figuring that out? Obviously, you've got this very long regimented routine. It really works for you. But where did you start? Well, everything is a trial and error. So I would prefix that I would love to to do even more sort of, uh, you know, biohacking or self-care. But I would just um, say that all, all of this stuff is like deeply personal. You, you know, you, you depends on kind of your age, where you are, your health, many different things. So it's not like kind of like one size fits all. But I think the biggest unlock that I've had, it's the simplest thing I realized is that the reason people don't stick with their routines is because they don't do it every day. And so it's the brain fragmentation of thinking, oh, it's Wednesday I have to go to the gym and lift or you know, I only run Tuesdays and Thursdays, it's just harder. So effectively, once I realized I'm just going to do it every day, it's kind of like when you look at what Fred Wilson used to do with his blog, he would just blog every day. As soon as he gets up, he does a blog post, then you don't have to think. So it's sort of this automation uh, when it comes to your routine, I think it's really powerful. And, and that's what throws a lot of people for a loop. Or, for example, I just don't drink alcohol. I don't drink it at all. I just don't don't eat meat. Like, you know, I don't eat red meat or pork. I just don't. And so when you kind of make these decisions of either never or always, it just becomes so much easier especially for busy people who are making decisions all day, every day, try to make that right decision. All right, what am I supposed to do for working out today? How am I supposed to think about this? It's that it's the habit stacking mentality. Totally. As you think about specific days, um, I'm sure there's some days that are more stressful than other days. Is there anything extra that you do if you're having to deal with increased stress or maybe you're having to be even more focused or productive um, outside of the morning routine? You know, it's really interesting, but I... Um, I mean, I do lose my cool, but I think like I'm for better or worse, I'm very well set up to deal with stress because I just have so much stress all the time. I, I mean, I'm in the thick of, you know, not all 150 startups are active, but probably at least a hundred or more of them are. And like, it's just nonstop madness. And so I'm very used to it. Um, I used to meditate before going to bed. And for me personally, it was way worse. And so my I have a couple other uh, sort of hacks and things that I do. So I do have um, an after lunch drink, which is typically like a turmeric or, or something, or like maybe another cup of uh, non-caffeinated tea. Um, I do take my vitamins uh, after, I, uh, after I eat lunch. But I also fast and I don't eat anything in the morning. That's been miraculous. So that's another kind of like big, big thing that I do because I think it just allows you to have more energy. But I have the stupidest sleep hack, which is I, you know, when I feel like I may have trouble falling asleep, I would pop in my AirPods and put on Apple sleep music. 
It's truly the worst elevator music you've ever heard. And you get knocked out in like, like five minutes. I also love my eight sleep. Um, although sometimes I kind of feel like it makes me wake up, but I, I haven't fully validated that. So I'm still trying to kind of like figure that out. But yeah, like, I mean, I think um, putting on that lame music really knocks you out even if you're like super stressed because like you just can't think it's so absurdly bad you just kind of fall asleep one i haven't heard before but definitely something i feel like is really easy for a lot of people to try uh especially if you're if you're someone who has those moments of, of trouble falling asleep is there anything whether it's tools devices products habits that you've tried that just haven't worked for you um well, I, I really didn't like Whoop. That was one device I just could not love. Um, I, I do love my Aura Ring. I, I like my Apple Watch. Um, and then Eight Sleep. I do think, I do think it's helpful. Um, I also, as of two years ago, I started using Sleep Mask and it is kind of weird because like people around you, they're like, what is going on? Uh, but, uh, it truly helps because if, if, you know, like if you, so I, I definitely have, um, harder time staying asleep in the morning and that's sort of expected as I get older, uh, for various reasons. So I think, uh, you know, having a mask really, really helps, uh, kind of get through those morning hours. Definitely. And we've talked a lot about your your health stack and you also have the opportunity to see a lot of trends that are coming at the earliest stages, given where you're investing. Uh, is there anything where you're really excited about certain trends or things where you're like, look, I would love to have this for my own health that you're looking for um, as you think about investing in founders? Yeah. I mean, you and I both know like the future is wild. I mean, what's about to go down is incomprehensible. I mean, I, I you know, we're all mind blown by, you know, GPT-3 and that's not even the opening inning of it, but the biggest advancements are going to be in biotech where we're going to be continuing to cure all kinds of cancers. We're going to be editing out everything that we don't like. We're going to be, um, you know, living much longer because we're going to slow down aging that is coming. And in a way, it's already been happening through things like routine and uh, sort of like biohacking. But when you think about it, all of this collectively stuff that we're doing is just life extension, right? And But I think it's going to get a lot more scientific and systematic. In terms of near-term uh, true revolution that's happening is measuring human being in real time. And the notion that a medical record is effectively ridiculously static non-representation of who we are is in, and it's sort of being exposed because it doesn't really tell any story about me i mean the story of me is the story of my genes the story of my biomarkers the story of every heartbeat that i have the story that you know sleep patterns that aura ring is capturing and so when you're thinking when you think about what's happening is uh, real-time measurement of human beings. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's incredible. Like, you know, because everything is coming online. So are we, and like, we're, we're being measured in real time. So I think, um, 
incredible opportunity in disease prevention, life extension. Um, that isn't even like far away. That's like right now happening right now. And so I, I think that is very profound and will also cause really interesting societal shifts. Um, but um, massive opportunity for startups all around. And then I think obviously sector you're in where, uh, you know, every single thing that we intake uh, should be smarter. Like we're not too far away from figuring out, we will figure out microbiome, we will deal with diseases like IBDS and all of this stuff like autoimmune diseases, stuff that increasingly clear is being caused by, you know, not just genetics, but like what we consume. So all of that is going to cause basically precision medicine is going to turn into precision food, like what I eat, uh, you know, what I should be eating. Like if you think about continuous glucose monitoring, it's kind of onset of that, but uh, you know, bioengineered foods, uh, all of that is like coming our way. So we're going to be um, much, much healthier in the future, you know, like starting now and it's only going to improve. Yeah, the scale of and, and the amount of inputs that we can get from our consumer health data is just astronomically. There's such an opportunity there. Um, and the data is going to be so much more uh, robust as well. And you mentioned GPT, but how are you thinking about how AI plays a role in all of this? And is there any kind of downsides as we think about putting data to work um, and taking humans a little bit further out of the out of the equation? Well, Truthfully and somewhat embarrassingly, I continue to be stunned because I don't fully, I mean, I think I have a pretty big brain and I can comprehend a lot of things, but this change is, it, it's truly stunning and, and it's, it's a little bit incomprehensible. So we're still trying to wrap our brains, uh, you know, from the investment perspective, like what things are going to look like. But I have a few mental models that I can share. I think until now, we truly did not have human in the loop. We had AI in the loop. Going forward, we will actually have human in the loop, meaning AI will do most of the work and then humans will, will check it. That's a massive tectonic shift. So that means displacement of existing workflows, massive changes. I think that realistically, the impact on... Um, uh, biotech is going to be immense because effectively uh, in the past decade we've we've raced to reduce clunky wetware problems to faster computable software problems and so now with these kind of uh, AI capabilities we will be able to uh, unlock so much more so much faster and to your point we're now getting all of this data in real time and we're getting so much more data. So combination of that incredible computationally powerful AI combined with a lot of data is gonna yield truly like transformative breakthroughs. So we'll be able to develop drugs, understand diseases so much faster. In terms of just like personal analysis and personal assistance, I mean, it's kind of no brainer, it's coming. So you're gonna have an AI replica of you that is going to be helping you with whatever you want. And obviously we'll also have a fully personalized health assistant that is going to monitor all your vitals ongoing and will be way, way, way smarter than current doctors. And, and, you know, will be a lot more helpful, I think. 
And I also think a lot of this has the power to massively reduce healthcare spend and improve population health at large, because a lot of what we're talking about also will make things less expensive versus more expensive, which is the trend that we've been seeing for for decades at this point. And as you think about- Yeah, provided we can like not mess it up with legislation, because we all know that our government isn't the brightest pea in the pod. Uh, You know, whenever it comes to any tech, they're like, kind of running like deer without like in the headlights. So hopefully good decisions will be made. Yeah. And making sure that they're we are we're getting the right data, the models are being trained correctly. There's there are those human check elements and and moving the needle forward. Uh, but I do think that that is a, a large part of of what future of health looks like. And as you think about um kind of founders that are are thinking through these these big problems, the earliest stages, what advice would you have for them as they kind of think about how and and what to build i i've been thinking a lot about this and it's it's kind of interesting you know um there is a concept that vcs have which is they they use this phrase that something is backwards looking and what that actually means is that um when you're proposing a solution that isn't what the future is going to look like and i think advancements in AI are going to cause this phrase to be to be used a lot more. And I've been thinking about it a lot more. So I would get pitched by a startup and then I would think, wait, but the way that the world is going and where AI is going, this is yesterday where. So you effectively, when you identify problem today, you know, I wrote a blog post about it. The question of why now is a trick question. When founders explain why now, that's too late. Investors really mean why seven years from now. So the point is when you're inventing something today, it has to be intelligent and world dominating, not today, but seven years from now. That's really hard, but you can kind of need to have a gut feel for where the world is going. Definitely. And as you think about what we just talked about in health, there's data inputs. So we still need to be getting data from somewhere. Humans need to consent, do things, go places to to do that. Um, They also need to follow behavioral change. uh, And they need to do some sort of like they need to consume products, food, supplements, other types of health they need to move. So thinking about how whatever solutions you're solving, how you use technology in an innovative way to get to those root problems and just solving it in a different different manner is, is something really interesting to think about. And then as you think about on the other side of, of what you've done on the VC fi- side, for anyone, any of our listeners that might want to get into investing, what advice do you have for them and, and how should they think about the world or, or looking at the world, developing a thesis? That's an awesome question, and and I I I I do I do meet fair bit of young people who want to get into venture. I mean, it's really complicated. First of all, the business is exceptionally difficult. I mean, literally, it looks uh, so glamorous, like you're like a walking wallet and you're so powerful. But the reality is, it's so hard to make money. So many people just totally suck at this, and. Um, I think getting into this business for wrong reason is just is just a bad idea. Um, so I think my, my advice is make sure this is your passion. Make sure you know why you want to do it. And I think um, the litmus test is 
are you truly obsessed about this? Like, do you think about startups? Do you, you know, whatever little money you have, like, are you starting to angel invest? Are you developing a lens in the thesis? Like, can you, can you truly articulate it? That's kind of one piece on the entry. The second piece is truly thinking through, like, what would be your career in venture? Because a lot of times you, you may get into venture in the junior role, but um, how will you progress? Like, how can you become a partner? Um, you know, being a partner in the fund requires massive amounts of capital committed. Like, how is that going to happen? And then do you just want to be working for somebody else building their brand? Or do you want to one day be a founder of your own fund? I mean, these are like really complex questions in general you have to like really study and understand and talk to a lot of vcs to really understand kind of like what that career path uh so to speak looks like my opinion continues to be that the best path to venture is through being a founder um not necessarily just popping out of business school into venture i think that's much much harder so my advice is to be a founder crush it, make a lot of money, then go, go, go invest in other founders. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it definitely sounds like it's a similar, uh, different size to the same coin, similar problems, similar challenges. Uh, as a founder, you might say, Hey, I want to be a VC with the, the person with the money. And as a VC you might say, Hey, I actually want to be, be the person building, um, which I, it sounds like you, you said a little bit at the beginning, but making sure you have that clear why and, and having a, a greater mission than just, Hey, I want to come and, and make money easily and give money to other people is is really not something that is based not in reality. Yeah. Not at all. Um, and as you kind of think about your own future, what what's next for 2048? What's next for you? Uh, we're 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 basically just st- well, we're one year in into our fund too, and it's a lot of hard work. We're a team of six people and uh we're grinding. It's a grind, you know, and and uh I think we believe that we're truly needed in the world. And that's really rewarding. Like we hear unilaterally from our founders, whether they give us an NPS score of 100, or we hear from people that the work that we do is meaningful and we're helping them build companies. And we also hear from our LPs, they love what we're doing and kind of like our focus. So I think, you know, this is... It, like being a VC is like being an athlete. You just keep doing reps. You just keep doing reps. And, uh, you know, when you're saying what's next, what's next is to continue to, 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 to keep up and, and, and like try to be excellent, you know, and, and, and every day I wake up and I'm super paranoid. I'm terrified of losing money and I'm terrified of not being good enough. It's, this is the truth, even though, I think I have a very strong track record. It's just kind of like the business stretches your mind. I mean, on the personal side, the thing that I've been always driven by is just continuous learning. So I am so delighted. My mind is so stretched and my heart is so full knowing what's to come. Like we are accelerating the most unimaginable sci-fi like is happening to us and we'll, we'll, we'll be here. So I definitely, I look forward to kind of seeing all of this unfold, but more in store for us is just continuing to do our job. 
And the types of founders that you you invest in. So if anyone listening is working on an idea or working on something, you're you're investing at the early stages. You're one of the first checks in, supporting as as you go forward. What types of companies are are you looking for most? I know it's diverse, but if you can explain it shortly. Yeah, we we are basically business model first shop. So we focus on businesses that are platforms, infrastructure, and API companies. And then we invest across specific industries. So about 30% of the business is digital health and biotech. About 50% is deeper tech, meaning includes machine learning, infra manufacturing, um, space tech, uh, you know, and then basically the rest of it would be lighter things like marketplaces and vertical SaaS. Definitely. So if you're a founder working on something that sounds like that within health tech, uh, definitely consider consider 2048 and, and find Alex. Uh, as we kind of wrap, wrap this up, is there anything that you would give um, advice that you would give to your younger self as you think about your transition from living in Ukraine to coming here to going through this incredible career journey? Is there anything that you would think about um, maybe helpful to know earlier? I feel like I... You know, I was a bit of a late bloomer, uh, and and I was never as deliberate in my initial choices. Things worked out because I was just really driven and unstoppable, you know, and I always wanted, like, I never settled. But I, I would just advise to be be more deliberate. I, I really spent a lot of time thinking about people not thinking, meaning we're just there's just so much information and it destroys our brains i think spending more time truly thinking gives you so much edge just think 30 minutes a day and and uh you know be more deliberate about choices you make i love that i was someone who was very deliberate until i got to the to the end point which was in my late 20s and then i was like okay what are we doing now um but but had a <laughs> <laughs> had a very large passion for a lot of the stuff that we're doing in health and so made made that jump um because all the boxes that I had set for myself were checked and so going forward from there but I love that thought of thinking what's next how can you continuously learn and up level uh it helps you kind of set that path uh also a big fan of kind of goal setting periodically to make sure you're checking in with yourself whether it's personally or professionally to to make sure that you end up in 10 years in a place that you at least at one point wanted to be or, or striving striving towards that. Uh, well, thank you, Alex, so much for joining us. Uh, I would love to end with just where can people find more about you, more about 2048 and, and all the great work you guys are doing. Absolutely. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. We're very easy to find, 2048.vc. And you guys can pitch us even if you don't have a warm intro. You can just scroll to a person on the team and click pitch. And then uh, I'm easily accessible on Twitter slash uh, at Alex is called and then also startupyags.vc. Perfect. Well, thank you. And uh, for anyone that's looking for more information about Alex, please reach out to those those places. Madden and Mitchell Media.